I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. How many of you gave God thanks for something this past week? Pretty much all of you, right? I know that my family and I, we gave thanks for several things. We gave thanks for our meals. We gave thanks for the hand that prepared, hands that prepared them. We, we gave thanks for the time that we had together with our family and our friends, just to name a few things. Giving thanks is what the holiday of Thanksgiving is, is supposed to be about, right? Supposed to give thanks for the many blessings that we have received. Of course, to give thanks, there must be a recipient of our thanksgiving. To give thanks, there must be someone to give thanks to. Christ's follower understands that it is God who deserves our thanks. First and foremost, he deserves our thanks because it is God who ultimately provides all things. Scripture teaches that God provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory. The truth is that we should be giving thanks to God, not only during the Thanksgiving season, but all day, every day, throughout the day. Today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to truly give God thanks. Thanking God for what he has done and the way that he deserves it includes not only giving him thanks with our words and prayer, but it includes us showing him our thankfulness with other actions as well. This morning I want to look at a psalmist's example of what appropriate thanksgiving to God looks like. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 111. Today I will be preaching a a sermon titled, A Thankful Response to a Loving God. Psalm 111 contains elements of different types of psalms, in different genres of literature. There are hymnic elements, elements of thanksgiving and elements of praise. And the literary genres include poetry and wisdom literature. This psalm is also an acrostic, which means it was 
written in a poetic form where each colon begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The psalm is a beautiful psalm, not only in its content, but by the way in which the content is expressed. The author is unknown. It is believed that he is either a worship leader directing praise or he is a teacher speaking in a school. The author begins this psalm with a call to praise and a promise to give God thanks with his whole heart in a community with other believers. He quickly moves to declaring the great works of God and explains that God has provided a way for future generations to know about him and his works. He declares declares God's provisions, which include a covenant relationship with him, a path for man's redemption, and a promise of future blessings for those who remain faithful. And he offers a comprehensive conclusion that centers on his people fearing the Lord, practicing his precepts and applying his wisdom to their lives. Read with me through this psalm beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Psalm 111 is a comprehensive text that teaches its listeners and readers the appropriate response to a loving God which is born out of thankfulness for the great works that he has done. It teaches us that a thankful heart receives and applies God's wisdom. It teaches us that a thankful heart not only studies God's word but delights in doing so. And it teaches us that a thankful heart gives God praise, the praise that He deserves, and worships and serves Him in community with other believers. And this brings me to my first point. Point number one, a thankful heart worships God in community with other Christ followers or other believers. That'll work. Look with me again at the text of verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. 
The psalmist shows that the appropriate response to God and the great works he has done is to praise him and thank him and do so with our whole hearts and community with other believers. The Hebrew word used here for congregation is sod, which means assembly. The phrase, in the company of the upright, and the term congregation refers to an assembly of God's people. In Old Testament times, God's people came together corporately to praise and worship Him. During the time of the Exodus, God established the tabernacle with Moses. It provided a way for Israel, God's covenant people, to have a place to worship Him. And there they worshipped him and made sacrifices to God to atone for their sins. Their sacrifices were not sufficient to completely atone for their sin. Rather, they showed Israel their need for a Savior and pointed to the coming Messiah, God's Son, who would serve as the perfect sacrifice for all God's people for all time. King Solomon later built a more permanent structure, which is the temple. We see in the book of Nehemiah, how Ezra, the Levite priest, and God's people gathered together in the temple to read from God's word. Ezra would read from God's word and other Levites would explain it to the people. New Testament scripture teaches that believers gathered together regularly to praise and worship God. These groups of believers are described by the Greek word ekklesia, meaning assemblies. Or churches. We often hear about Paul's missionary work, and we maybe focus on his evangelistic efforts, but his missionary work was not just about evangelizing, it was also about planning churches, nurturing them, and equipping and establishing believers within them so that they could go out and do the same thing he was doing, which was making disciples. People were called to commit their lives to Christ and become His followers, grow in godliness through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the study of the Old Testament writings and the teachings and writings of the apostles. And then they were to pass this on to others. This is why here at Fellowship Bible Church, our mission statement is to escort people to Christ, establish them in truth, and equip them for ministry. So they can go and do the same. Believers were also instructed to not neglect meeting together. They were to stir one another up, to encourage one another and work together. They were to be useful for accomplishing God's eternal purposes. And they were to do these things as they looked forward to Christ's imminent return. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is what the psalmist was doing, and he was doing it with his whole heart. This is the appropriate response for the believer. This is the example that we have been given. 
This is how one's thankfulness for the great things that God has done is rightfully expressed. Is this your response to God? Is this how you respond to the great things that He has done? Do you thank Him by praising Him? Do you give Him thanks in community with other believers? Or do you identify with those who Paul referred to as the ones neglecting to meet together? My prayer for you, believers, is if you're not already doing so, that you will meet together with other believers. Praise God, worship God in community with other believers. For those of you who are here today or you're listening online and you haven't given your life up and over to Christ, I pray that you will do that today. Isaiah 53, 6, 6 teaches that everyone has sinned against God. Each has gone his own way and is need, in need of the redemptive work that Christ accomplished on the cross. Jesus, God the Son, and he lived a perfect life and he laid it down willingly at the cross and he took it up again three days later conquering death and he paid the penalty for the sins of those who would believe in him turn from their sins turn their hearts toward God place their faith in him and follow him the ones with unrepentant hearts well they have the Eternal destruction is their reward for rejecting God because by doing so, they make themselves enemies of God. But God offers eternal life to those who accept Christ and His redemptive work. And if you have not done that, I pray that you will do that today. Another mark of a person with a thankful heart for what God has done is a desire to learn more about who He is. And this brings me to my second point. A thankful heart delights in the study of God's Word. Look again with me at verses 2 through 4. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious. And merciful. So the psalmist explains that those who delight in God and His great works make it a practice of studying them. In verse 4, the psalmist tells us that in God's mercy and grace, He has recorded His wonderful works. Before Christ came, God spoke through His prophets. Their messages were recorded and preserved. These are the Old Testament scriptures. Once Christ came, God spoke through Jesus and the apostles. Their teachings were also recorded and preserved, and they make up the New Testament scriptures. And the fact that all these scriptures still exist today is a miracle in and of itself and could only be brought about by the providential hand of God. There were many over the years who tried to destroy the scriptures made huge efforts to do so. But maybe they should have consulted with Isaiah because he would have told them that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
As the psalmist says, God has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Apostle Paul tells us why God preserved his word in his letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for, per, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has preserved his word so that through it, believers can be equipped to do God's work. God created man to bear his image, but since man's fall, as seen in Genesis 3, man has been unable to rightly bear God's image. As believers transformed by the redemptive work of Christ and uh, as students of God's word being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to better resist the temptations of sin and more rightly bear God's image. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. He said, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. As believers, we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. As those with a thankful heart, they delight in the studying of God's Word. They delight in fellowshipping with God. They delight in spending time with Him in prayer and in His Word. Does this describe you? You delight in studying about God and His great works. Do you delight in studying God's Word? Do you make time to read the Bible on a regular basis. God has designed it so some are called to teach. Do you seek out sound biblical teachings to help you in your study of God's Word? Or would you say that these are things that you need to improve on? Take your example from the psalmist and set your heart on the study of God and His great works through the study of His Word. It is through the study of God's Word that we learn not only who God is, but how to receive His wisdom and apply it to our lives. And that brings me to my third and final point. A thankful heart receives and applies God's wisdom. Look with me again at the text beginning in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Another scripture that speaks of the fear of the Lord is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The psalmist is telling us in verse 10 that the fear of God is foundational to wisdom. Any life-guiding, 
life-shaping teaching not built on the knowledge of God is worthless. Not only is it worthless, but it's dangerous and destructive. To understand how the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, we need to understand what the Bible means by the word fear. The word fear in the Bible can mean the terror one can feel as they're frightened. It can mean to respect someone. And it can mean to be in awe of someone. The Bible's meaning of, the, of fear used in this way, fear of the Lord, it's a combination of all three. But these things command a healthy fear of God within us, which helps us to recognize who God is and how we should respond to Him. In His omnipotence, we should be in awe of Him. In His sovereignty and holiness, we should respect Him. In His anger and wrath, we should be frightened by Him. But in His grace, we should be thankful for Him. A.W. Tozer had this to say about understanding the fear of the Lord. Take a look at this quote up on the screen. The greatness of God rouses fear within us, but His goodness encourages not to be afraid of Him. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. Proverbs 1.7 gives us some more insight here on this topic. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The wise person fears, reveres, and obeys the Lord while the fool despises God's instruction and refuses to be told what to do. The fool's heart is not representative of a thankful heart. It does not receive, nor does it apply God's wisdom. Which person do you identify as? Do you have a healthy fear of God? Do you revere Him? Are you in awe of Him? Do you have a healthy fear of suffering His wrath? Or do you despise correction and refuse to be told what to do? There are those who reject God and choose the way of the world, but they will find no wisdom there. You will only find wisdom in the Lord simply because He is the source of wisdom. Follow the example of the psalmist and the thankful heart. Receive and apply God's wisdom to your life. Those with thankful hearts receive and apply God's wisdom to their lives. They study God's word and they delight in doing so. And they give God the praise He deserves and they worship and serve Him in community with other believers. If this does not describe you, then my prayer for you is that you would give your life up and over to King Jesus and be saved. If you have not done that, I pray that you would do that. Let's pray together.